It's been over a month since the government rolled out our Rural Future document to much fanfare and little scrutiny. Well, to discuss the future of rural Ireland, I'm joined by two activists from rural Ireland, eco-socialist Mags Sheehan and Donegal County Councillor Michael McGull-Osbrook. Yes, sir, welcome to the podcast. We'll jump straight in because we're pressed for time here. I'm sure you've other things to be doing to see, apart from chatting to me. But, Mags, we'll go to you first. You were looking at that document. What stood out for you? Well, I suppose the first impression you get is it's it's a lovely, lovely document. It, if if it's followed through um, to the letter, it's perfect. It's brilliant. Um, but you, there's an awful lot of this sort of aspirational stuff that you get in 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 government documents. It's um, it uses the word sustainable over and over and over. That kind of thing. There's a lot of greenwashing involved. But there are some really good ideas, and uh, yeah, so I'm quite impressed with it, really. Uh, if if it is acted upon. Is there anything that stood out for you that either negatively or positively, because we won't be all negative about it. I mean, there is some good things in it, like, for instance, yeah, yeah. better um, broadband, some... hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember some um, uh, campaign literature a number of years ago saying that we were going to have uh, better broadband. It hasn't happened to me yet. I don't know about anybody else. Um, I haven't had any broadband yet. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot to be done in rural Ireland. I mean, they've been going the opposite direction for so many years now. It's being closed down, um, so there's a lot to actually build it up again. It's funny how the pandemic has actually suddenly gone. Hang on, we can live here. You know, we can actually live here and survive. And people of all ages can live out in rural areas and and not just older people. So um, it's kind of yeah, it's what the shake up that we needed. So this document is kind of working on that as well. It's Looking at our, um, for instance, is looking at our um, commitments to to a just transition. Um, it's it's looking at using just just transition funds from the EU and how to go about doing that. Things like uh, micro generation at the community level. Um, those kind of things are very good. A, a, a just transition for former workers. Um, in the Midlands, um, looking at uh, apprenticeships and investment in retraining for uh, former workers there to actually carry out a, what's really needed, which is an, a, a full uh, retrofit of the housing stock, both council-owned housing stock and private-owned housing stock across the country. Um, plenty of work there for people. They just need to be trained. So that's something that's positive about it. Any negative aspects to it at all? Did you what did what you, yeah. didn't you like about it? Um, it seems to be carrying on more of the same for uh, for farming. I, I don't know really. I, I don't think it's going to make any basic changes to farming, and um, the the agri sector really does need um, some major changes in order to to reach our targets our um, carbon targets really so yeah I'm not convinced it's a there's a lot of greenwashing that's why I would say that is probably the negative is it even talks about um, using the oceans uh, as a, a resource um, that always worries me because I start thinking okay they're selling off seaweed again and you know there's a lots of things here that have little alarm bells they they sound good but they just make me think hang on how's that going to work you know so, yeah. Yeah, I get you. Michal, I'll yeah. just go to you. You've been a councillor for a number of years and you've come across 
you know, people coming to you with various uh, problems and that. What are you seeing on the ground? What what needs to be done for rural Ireland? God, uh, <laughs> that's a. L- <laughs> we'll probably need we need we we'll need probably more than half an hour uh, to go through that there, but. Thanks for the invite to the program. Um, look, there, there's so much. Where are you? Where would you start, Smags? We're touching on quite a mm-hmm. lot of stuff there. You know, rector fitting. She was talking about rural broadband. She was talking about something that's really, really important is uh, our natural resources uh, in terms of our famna or seaweed. Uh, we see in Donegal now at the moment uh, that uh, the state is trying to privatise the 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 our natural resources um, seaweed and that there there's there's beds there and my own constituency for 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 the seaweed to be sold or to be leased out to a private company which never benefits uh, the working people of of rural Ireland look there's so much rural, rural broad, broadband again we've seen what the state have done I suppose if we had looked in the 90s uh, or if the state had chosen not to sell off state assets like telecom back in the 90s would be in a very, very different place. And the states where the state wants to be is is looking after the interest of big multinational companies where if we had held on and developed that state asset, we wouldn't be and then where we are today when it comes to uh, rural broadband. Rural broadband now, we're dependent. Look at the, what they've done was they've given it out uh, to, to, to private interest again. If you look at maybe AIR, uh, somebody said to me there that uh, they're working now but the state air is a private company, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is that they're looking for us to pay for the polls, uh, and and rural Ireland as well. So there's so you know we even though like there's no lessons learned in terms of that move to privatisation. Look, we're talking about privatisation, and, and that's never in the benefit of the working class in rural Ireland or anywhere. But here we have, as we speak today, the ESB are out in strike. So there's so much that needs to radically change to make rural Ireland a far better place to live in. There's certainly a lot of benefits in, in West Donegal in the heart of the Delta, which I live uh, and where I'm from, and I, I'm, I'm honoured now to re- uh, represent it. Uh, but there's there's the issue of employment. Uh, un- uh, unemployment is, is quite high in, 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 in West Donegal. We have mass immigration. Anybody, most people who are employed at the moment are on minimum wage or slightly above it, not a living wage. And you can't sustain a community on minimum wage. Minimum wage, to me, to my understanding of it, is the least that somebody could survive on while they're working. But yet, most most of the industry tend to just pay that. And that, that doesn't sustain our community. For us also, there's an issue of the Irish language, where basically we're on our, on our knees uh, the Dublin government gave us a measly couple of uh, pounds to set up Irish language officers within the Delta and basically says, off you go now and don't annoy us. And with housing in Donegal, are you coming across with many people looking for housing because of the price of housing going up exponentially? Because I, I looked at some of the reports. For a young person to get onto the property ladder, they're 50 times less likely, according to that guy that writes for the Irish Times, Owen B- Kennedy Burke, or Owen, I keep getting his name wrong, but he writes for the Irish Times. But you're 50, 50% less build a, or buy a house now than you were 10 years ago. The rebuilding Ireland uh, has failed. It, 
83,000 units were built within this time span of it. It's nearly up, I think it's the last year of it now. There was 150,000 were supposed to be built. With the government's Our Rural Future, the biggest gripe I have about it is that it looks like they're going to transport the housing problem or kind of spread the housing problem across the country by bringing pe- the Googles and the, the people that work for, and fair play to them, you know, they can come down here and get cheaper. But the house prices here and the rents here in rural Ireland are going to go up because you're going to have more people come in here. You can actually see it year on year, uh, about 3% uh, rise year on year. A Leitrim, um, I, I think that that's Leitrim and Roscommon are the, the places with the, the lowest um, lowest housing prices and rents. But um, are you seeing any any problems, the housing problem in Donegal? What's that like? Are you getting many people coming yeah. to you? Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of my work would be housing. Uh, I'm on the SPC of housing, um, which that itself became a battle, um, which we'll save it for another day. Amongst the greet of uh, elected representatives, I, I specifically wanted to be uh, uh, put back to SPC housing because I have an, an interest. Hello. Sorry, somebody's ringing. Somebody's oh, ringing no. me there, so I hung up. You're on fine. Um, so, yeah, we, we've we've a massive uh, we've a massive problem uh, in Donegal with housing, and the fact that the government in Dublin had failed to build adequate uh, number of housing through the years, and when they when when they took the the free state into the austerity that it took in, t- took us to you know where we ended up back in two thousand and seven two thousand and eight. Government or government or councils stopped building council houses because they weren't being given the money. We then tend to look for turnkey housing, which again it's it's, it's privatisation uh, or outsourcing. It's uh, in itself, um, you know, houses being built bare minimum. I heard Mags mention earlier on about retrofitting. You know, these houses weren't built uh, so that people would have comfortable and fine homes to live in. They were built solely for profit and nothing else, pure greed. Yeah. So. There's there's huge issues like uh, at the moment in Donegal, we we uh, we I've been looking at a lot of a lot of issues in terms of windows and doors and drafts and and homes. Some of the houses not having insulation. These are council houses and other issues. And we had hoped that this year we would have a sizable uh, amount of uh, finances to to start working on estates and and all the electoral areas, uh, especially under the Green Party. We had we had kind of hopes uh, high hopes for that. And it uh, aspired that we get 45 houses for the whole county. I think we have something like 8,000 houses uh, in the county. And 45 houses are going to be retrofitted, and none of them in my own constituency. 45. Right. Uh, and and that, that itself is, isn't, that's, that's not acceptable in any shape or form. And, and I know, Danny, you, you talked about, you know, how to make rural Ireland uh, livable again. In the sense of attracting people, it, it's a very, very broad and a very important discussion to have. But again, if we don't have proper homes to live in, uh, if we don't have affordable homes that people can't, well, another big issue, uh, I, I was talking already on the Gilta today in relation to, to this, and it's, it's, it's a big issue is, is Airbnb. Airbnb is causing a huge issue for us here in Donegal. Donegal County Council, and and I, as a part of that, had, had promoted tourism. I myself like to travel. I spent a lot of time in Brittany and the Basque Country and other countries like that there. 
And I welcome people of different cultural backgrounds coming to my community, need that be for long term or short term. But what's happening is that there's been a lot of eggs put into one basket for tourism. And there's huge issue with, uh, there's, there's benefits and huge issue with tourism. So what's happening is that you have a lot of families who might have a family home, which might have been left to them when their loved ones passed on or whatever reason. But instead of renting it out long term, what they're opting now for, because it seems to be more uh, financially beneficial to them, uh, as, as Airbnb, which leaves then people not. As we speak right now, I have one mother, one father, two children, and one baby on the way who are homeless as we speak. Yeah. And, that, and that's just one example. And that's down to Airbnb. Yeah, I was looking at some uh, of the... And, that, and that's down to Airbnb. And Can government policy. Yeah. 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 If you go in um, there, Mike's, yeah. 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 Um, it's just we, we have the same problem in Mayo um, houses, you know, holiday homes for a start left empty all winter. And the, the, the rise of the rents uh, here is, is, is huge at the moment. You can't really get much for under about eight or nine hundred. Um, whereas before it used to be, you used to be talking five or six hundred. So, um, so that's gone up big time. And then come back into what you were saying about the 45 houses that you, you are having retrofitted. Um, I assume that's the ones that the council are actually doing. But what, what seems to be the case is that, um, the, the buck has been passed to the community groups. And now we have lots of different groups registered all over the country as sustainable energy communities. And it's now down to the communities themselves voluntarily getting the funding together um, through the SEAI um, to retrofit other people's houses and to organise the retrofitting of other people's houses. Um, so it's, it seems like it's they're using the community to do a lot of the work now. While we obviously would welcome things being community-led, um, they weren't given enough supports up until very recently. They weren't given enough supports for the community to get the, the work done themselves. And like, as you'd appreciate, for older people, for instance, they wouldn't have to pay for their homes to be retrofitted, but they don't necessarily know that and they don't know where to go to get the work done. Um, so yeah, you could, the council could be supporting those people who not even, even in council owned properties a lot more than they are already. And they're not, they're leaving it to the communities to do that work. So that's a, that's a problem that I'm seeing. But also in Mayo, um, Danny was saying about the shortage of housing here. Now, um, I'd noticed for the first time ever through my door, I got um, some, a leaflet asking me, was I going to sell my house? They were looking to for, for people to sell their houses. And I've never seen that. I've seen that in England, but I've never seen it here before. So property is in demand. Now, whether you think that's a good thing or not, I think it's a good thing because of the fact that, that if we get the population to rise again in Mayo, it'd be great. Um, we'd have more justification to have the services we need. Um, but at the same time, yeah, the pressure is there on the housing prices. Um, you know, they're going up because there's not enough houses on the market. I've been there myself, and, and we're recording this on WhatsApp for people that we're not actually look, looking at each other because we're. I, I'm afraid that uh, somebody's internet connection is going to go down if we're using too much. Uh, if we're using the face thing, but. Um, mm. Just, I, I was reading, uh, Declan Bree had a good article in the uh, Sligo Champion uh, it was about a month ago when that document came out. 
and he counted um, 4,000 empty houses around Sligo. Now, Sligo's got a population of about 60,000, 65,000 people, but that's a considerable amount of empty homes that people could be living in. I, I'm not too sure. I forget the, the number that of people that are actually on the housing list in Sligo, but it's a considerable amount of people. But that, that 4,000 homes, now Declan Bree, his idea was to compulsory purchase order the houses, which is, you know, you know, they're lying idle. Why wouldn't you do that? But he was cut off by the, uh, well, it's the top table that kind of runs. The councillors are, are, you know, they, they have a battle on their hand to get anything done because there's so, so much. Do you find that, Michal, that, that it's the top table that are uh, the county manager or the, what, what do they call them, the county CEO now, isn't it? Yeah. That, that kind of runs well, the, as I said, as I said to this uh, uh, county manager, who I personally get on quite well with, uh, and he's a new, newly appointed, and uh, you know, some of them I get on with, some of them I don't. Um, it's not that long ago that one of the senior uh, directors at the top ta- to table told me to get the fuck out of his way. You know, so right. I have a, it's a mixed bag for me. And uh, but as I said, as I said uh, today uh, to the county manager, is that look, we're only. We were talking about certain issues. We were actually talking about outsourcing and privatization. And I was talking about how important it would be with a new CEO and council, you know, that, that radical change is, is, is needed. And I says, look, at the end of the day, uh, us that are elected and, and people putting their faith in us for different reasons, but we're only tokenistic uh, uh, politicians, really. Let's be honest about it. It's not that we have any real powers or anything. Surely the parties will go out and other individuals or independents go out and pretend that we have. We don't. We don't have really any great say. Uh, and that's 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 uh, unfortunate. But going back to housing and retrofitting, I think uh, Mags made a very very strong point there. It is really important that that yeah that it is this that the community leads out in some of these things. But it's also very important that the state puts in provisions uh, at first before we take that leap. Uh, if you look, I mentioned it earlier around Irish language, uh, uh, officers that have been appointed, it's basically similar. There you go, few pound, off you go. If you mess it up, well, sure, it's not our fault. It's only your own. So, and housing, there's another concern as well, is that it looks like uh, that there's a move to 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 make it a, a single utility, similar to that of Irish Water, which is becoming less and less democratic in some sense, where they won't engage the community proper. I we have a meeting now in the next week or so with Irish Water solely a meeting between Irish Water and councillors. That's that's not that's not from the bottom up, you know. So actually, what I done was that I put the link and the password to this meeting on my Facebook and told the community. And I've been saying to the community, come along and just piggyback in on the meeting. Irish Water going absolutely nuts, changing passwords. So there's massive radical change that needs to happen. And 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 none of the parties and most of the indiv- uh, individuals that are there aren't going to bring that change. What what needs to happen, I think, for rural Ireland is that we need to first and foremost become far more politicised and far more organised, and hopefully with a left environmental perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, you're involved with a lot of community yeah. groups down there. What what are people in community groups yeah. saying that that needs to be done in rural Ireland? What what is the main focus in down around Kilmeen and and that in South Mayo? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tend to do a lot of my community work in Hedford around, you know, so it's that's in County near Hedford. County, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm living in Kilmaine, but I Oh, yeah, it's across the border, of... right. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's about 10 miles but away. Okay, um, Head, Hedford 10. So, yeah, so, but I mean, like, that's that's more influenced by Galway City. So, but at the same time, it's still a small rural town and it's still affected by the same thing. One of the problems that we're seeing is that the town centre is hollowing out there's a lot of empty houses and buildings in the middle of the town center and that coming back to that document that's it mentions that it's going to address this and there are places to live in the center of the town if they're done up often they're just left empty because mm. they're a business that's just not viable anymore so they're just left empty things like old pubs and that you know um so they that that needs to be looked at but also we need businesses back in the centre of town so that people come into them, you know, not just park on the edge at the supermarket. So um, it's, you know, to make it more lively. They're talking about hubs and things now for working at home, which is great because it also means they should get faster broadband in, in the areas that really need it. And that, to some extent, that's been happening already anyway. But... um you know, we've had, like during the pandemic, it's really not been, um, you can't really tell what it's going to be like when things return to normal in terms of working from home because there's been children at home having to be cared for and sick people and so all different things going into the mix. So so we'll, it'd be interesting now to see how it works in the next year or so, whether people are still working from home. I'd like to think that they will be to some extent, but I think the ideal thing would be the hubs in the town so that people don't have to travel as far but they still get the experience of going to an office, being sociable, getting out of the house. Um, and because that's something that came up um, in conversations quite a lot is the fact that when women are work, been working from home, they're finding themselves doing the housework as normal and expected to give up their paid work in favour of doing the childcare and the housework. Um, and it's putting them in a really bad position now. So that's that's something that's one to watch, really. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's like yeah. uh, you know you're working at home, so therefore the you don't need a childminder because you're at home. Uh, but mm. y- how it's very it's impossible, well, with, especially with small yeah. children, to actually yeah. do work and mind the child at the same time you know um yeah yeah it is one to watch right but uh, i wonder is that has that come up much in in um i suppose it has come up a, a, a bit i've heard yeah. i've heard it come up up um on, on occasion but i, I wonder yeah. is that been taken into account um because child care in in ireland if you uh go to one of those um yeah. after school or any of those it, it's phenomenal money it's, um, yeah, it's you know it's, it's basically it it's a week's it's wages affordable. yeah it's a week yeah. so maybe 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 some of the conversation we need to be looking at uh just i'm listening there in terms of chain mining because i am I'm, I'm lucky in a, to be in a position where i i would do a lot of the chain chain mining and uh i'm not there and I, I you know i wouldn't change it for the world but not everybody's not in position so if we look at if we look at you know kind of some of the stuff that you've been saying there, Mag and Danny, you there in terms, and I think one of the things that sprung to me there, Danny, was that you says the after school programs, and a lot of people are talking about after school programs to allow parents that time uh, to get you know to you know to work to four or five o'clock. But is yeah. that the society that we really want? Like, do we mm-hmm. have to work thirty five, forty hours a week? 
Do, you know, do, yeah, do, yeah, do yeah. I have but, to do that? So, question. Yeah. so, yeah. So, are are we that backward as a people that we can't organize society in a better way? Because really, at the end of the day, the more hours we work, <clears throat> it only benefits the capitalist classes. It doesn't necessarily benefit the workers, because if that was the case. Most, 99.9% of workers have worked hard all their lives, long hours, but yet that doesn't reflect into wages and savings in latter life. So we're not not benefiting. As workers and working class communities, we're not benefiting, certainly not in rural Ireland and in the hearts of the Gaeltats, which I live in and represent, because we are very much very low-paid workers. And a handful of people end to get, end up getting profit because of the back of our labour. So, without sounding too communistic, uh, because even no, you're allowed to be communistic here. I, I, you know, I can't define any of them isms that well. But you know, we we need to change how we organise society. Uh, and 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 Mags, you mentioned there, and I'm not being critical and far from it, but mm. as as that. You talked about business, and, and a lot of people talk about business and small indigenous businesses. Why aren't we not talking about cooperatives? I know. Why are not? Why know. you know? Yeah. Why why are we exactly. not? Why, why are we not talking about uh, uh, communities coming together and and organising the community in the best interest of all? Like, and, and I'm not being dismissive of tidy mm-hmm. towns or uh, groups no. like that there, but oh. bigger projects and you know tidy towns do. Fantastic work of I hope I don't sound patronizing, but you know, the economics of a town and a village in a rural area, why can we not decide how that looks? Not somebody in a suit in an office so many miles away that doesn't even know where we live. Yeah, yeah that's the dead right. Madrigan right. in the in the Madrigan yeah. in the Basque country there, they have a, they, it started off I think it was I think the history of it, it started off in nineteen fifty six, a Catholic priest and six of his students, and now it is the it's the seventh largest uh, company in Spain, uh, in the fourth largest economy in Europe, Madrigan in the Basque country. And, there. and, uh, and occupied Basque country, you mean? Yeah, yeah an occupied Basque country. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it is. In, it's, what company? What company is that? The Madrigan. <laughs> Ma- I, I, Madrigan. 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 I, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, but it yeah. is your your man uh, Richard Wolf talks about it quite a bit. Um, the the professor over in in the United States, he's always banging on up. But it is it's uh, you buy in your everybody. It's one share, one vote. Um, and during the economic boom in or the economic crash in Spain uh, in 2000 and from 2008 to 2013, when the rest of the the um, rest of Spain was at unemployment of 24%. The Basque country in around Madrigan that had uh, unemployment, it was about 10%. It was way, it was half of, of, of the rest. But, but, but of also, the- but also we need to look at that the Basque country historically have been a far richer uh, country compared to as neighboring countries of yeah. Spain and that, and especially down south and that part yeah. of Europe uh, because of their, their natural resources, because it has, I suppose, the latter years, you know, about 80, 90 years ago, when Franco forced people to leave their country, then when they came back, they couldn't get state employment. So they had to be quite innovative. And a lot of them set up cooperatives, which has stood to them to this day. Yeah. yeah. And if you, if we're, if we're talking about cooperatives and we're talking about rural Ireland, 
I mean, one of the major changes that has to happen is that farmers have to get themselves into co-ops again. Um, the, 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 the co-ops are, are now privatised. They're making huge money for small yes. amounts of people. It's ruining the environment as in, in the process. And, you know, the, the smaller farmers just cannot afford to survive. So there's a couple of ways of looking at it. We need to get, we need to get them to organise into co-ops. We have to encourage that. Um, it has to be done again. It, it worked the first time. There's no reason why it shouldn't work again. And secondly, I, I do think we should look at a universal basic income for people who live in rural areas, like, well, for, for everyone. But, um, I think it would work in terms of like small farmers that have a basic income and then anything they make on top on their land is, you know, is, is extra and it's up to them how much they work on their land and how much they don't. And if, if they're getting paid to leave the land so that or to, to work the land in such a way that it's more biodiversity friendly, all the better because they're using the land in the right way. They're still able to afford to stay on it and yet they can still carry on and doing the farming that they love to some extent, you know. So I, think, I, I have to go on ahead, yeah. sorry. Yeah, carry on, yeah. No, I was just going to say it's unfortunate yeah. that I can't really comment because and 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 the and the girl that I represent uh, we don't really have any farmers um, oh, right. because, okay. well, where I live myself, we have only bog and rock and no green fields, uh, right. to be honest with you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't know a lot about farmers, to be very honest with you. Uh, yeah. But what I do know a very, very small about is fishing. And, and I was going to ask you about the, that, actually. Sorry, I was I was just gonna I was going to, going to come to that, but yeah, the f- fishing yeah. has has been decimated in uh, along our coastlines. It's there's uh, with the quotas. Well, the fishing so has been decimated, yeah, and, and and has been failed since successive governments, especially since we've joined the EU, where the EU knew as you know as a, as imperialist countries, they knew exactly the wealth that we didn't know we had. We had we had vast amounts, twenty four percent, something like that, of the of the EU European waters, and and now when we see our boats being being tied up for months upon months and not allowed to go and fish, but yet other big multinational companies who own fishing boats and rights and quotas are able to come in. But also we have to uh, we also have to be very careful is that. We don't overfish our, our seas and destroy what we have there. I was out and uh, I was heading into one of the islands because we were very lucky here. We have quite a lot of islands here, uh, and I spend quite a lot of time on the islands. And I was going out the other day, I think last Thursday, and we were talking about lobsters and crabs, and we were talking about how, when this individual was very young, you know, that they had maybe about 50, 60, 70 pots that go out and that make it living and then they'd move on. Then, then they'd move on to somewhere else or, you know, maybe turf or potatoes or whatever they were doing. But, but was saying that it's, it's overfished. Yeah. Yeah. From the trawlers. And these giant trawlers are, are coming in and yeah. just wrecking destroying. everything. Yeah. Absolutely destroying it. It would take years for those seabeds to recover. Uh, and you've got that, and then you've got the um, the testing, um, you know, the sonic booms and what have you, as affecting marine mam- mammals. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, definitely needs yeah, to be looked at. I mean, I would, and, and, I would love, yeah, very much so. I would love to see. Um, I know we've got to support uh, 
fishing fleets, but the smaller fishing fleets aren't doing the damage that those big ones are. You know, there'd be no, enough fish if the smaller fishing fleets went out with some controls, obviously, but, um, you know, they, they could make a living out of it. Um, and again, to me, universal basic income uh, has a role to play there. Um, so that you're not relying on huge amounts of money to come in, uh, in, you know, from fishing when you can only fish at certain times a year or what have you. Um, but I just feel, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more supports we need to give fishermen, but it would be ideally as an environmentalist, I would prefer to see huge areas of Irish water to be left as a, as a sort of like a national park, the equivalent of a national park. Um, so that they can recover for a certain amount of years. It it worked in terms of the cod stock um, up in Canada, where they just had a moratorium on on fish and cod for so many years, and it, and the, the stocks recovered. You know, so it, it could be done. Yeah. Well, we seem to have. The... Well, we do. We do have it here in Salmon Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and again, uh, you know, so much work that needs to happen, and a lot of people talk about. Oh, I can't wait until it gets back to normal. Yeah. I don't want to go back to normal. Going back to normal is what left us where we're at today in terms of in my community as 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 unemployment, immigration, people with literacy problems, people with not having proper access to to proper education. You know, when they were younger, I'm not talking about today's today's generation, but I'm talking about years ago. I'm talking about proper access to to to, to well-being and health uh, so that's what normal was mm. and Absolutely. that's not what I want to go back to I want to see a society where we take charge and instead of leaving it to two county councillors or two TDs or senators or whoever else or you know groveling at the feet of those because they have X amount of million and they employed 40 or 50 60 people but yet pay shit wages like that's, yeah. that, that's not the that's, society that's that I want to see. Like. The, the old Fianna yeah. Foyle way of going on from the from Dev's time onwards. But just on the um, health side of it, uh, down in Roscommon, the nearest hospital, you can't, I think they, they'll take in broken arms and, and, and various different things like that. But for anything serious, in Roscommon, you have to go to Castle Bar, or now I live in Castle Bar, so I'm lucky enough. Mag's Gall would be closest to you, which is how far away? Yeah, well, I'm about halfway, so 26 miles to Castlebar, 26 to Galway. So no, that's not too bad. And yeah, Michal, that's not too bad. Could be worse. <laughs> to get to the could to be Letter, Let, Letter Kenny, you've <laughs> you've quite a yeah. Look, look, look. We 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 have small community hospitals here, which which is which which generally nearly is moving towards just becoming uh, full time uh, uh, homes for the elderly. Um, in some sense, look, our health is a huge issue. Like we had a campaign there uh, a couple of years ago, myself and uh, one or two others set it up uh, in relation to uh, gynecology and uh, uh, antenatal services, where we had to fight to try to save it. We we got we got uh, um, we got antenatal saved, but gynecology not. Which which really from for a female, it's from uh, birth uh, from birth to death that that's important and. It's just we, we kind of it's that slow, slow process of on uh, you know you know undermining our local health services. There was there was other services there lately that that had closed down and somebody retired and then all of a sudden nobody was replaced. And now we're about another half an hour drive to get to you know uh, 
We call the people who look after your feet. The... Oh, Tropodis. Uh, yeah. Thank you. The moment there, like I've been hammering on about it with very little success. I see the Shinners are starting to talk about uh, anti-privatisation, uh, but yet others are supporting it, but mad, but I suppose that's what they do now. They ride so many horses at the once. But what do you call it? Uh, the, the, you know, we have a... we. we the, there's been two lots of planning permission sent in, I think actually a Mayo firm uh, that is doing the consultant works for whoever it is, which we don't know where they're looking to build a private healthcare clinic. Now, I'm opposing it very, very strongly on the basis that we do need, saying Dunlow, the nearest town to me is Dunlow, Dunlow, what's about eight, nine, ten miles away, and, you know, population of a couple of thousand just, but we, we we badly need doctors. We, we we need more doctors. We could you know the space for uh, one or two more doctors easily. We have three or four chemists in it. We don't need that. And what's happening is that this company's coming in, and everybody's going, "Wow, whoa, brilliant! Another centre, fantastic!" But yet not sitting down and looking at what this does. It closes the healthcare centre in some sense in the hospital because the doctors yeah. move out. And again, I'd like to point seeing that our, our doctors shouldn't be private. Doctors should be a part of the healthcare system. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. and, 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 and what they'll do is they'll move the doctors in for half nothing because I've been doing a lot of work on it and I've been trying to engage with the doctors or some of the doctors and not returning my calls and they get cheap, uh, they get cheap uh, lodgings. But then they'll move other services and maybe you're, maybe you're a chemist or maybe another service, and they'll charge them just colossal money. And if they mm. don't buy into it, you'll have a multinational company who's brought into it. Their profits, like Little and Laldi, will not be left in the local community. So there's and then, huge and then issues. On, yeah. On top of that, then you get, like we've got here a severe shortage in GPs. Um, so we're getting, um, you know, wait, longer waiting times just to see a doctor because yes. there's two of our local doctors retired and weren't replaced. So, you know, this is what's happening. And then another doctor that's not nearby won't take medical card um, people. Um, same with the dentist. Won't they take won't medical take card. Any, won't take medical card. Struck off. So, that's what I say. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so if they have a quota of medical card holders or something and then they won't go above it or something along those lines. But it's, lines. All, very, it's all very fine um, for a lot of these people who go yeah. to public uh, colleges for our yeah. tax to pay for their education. But then when it comes to the working class being looked after, yeah, different yeah. story. Exactly. And that's where class and it must be really frustrating for you um, being close to the border there because of the fact that just over the border, they've got, I, I know it's not a perfect health service, but at least it's free, you know. Yeah, <laughs> counties, yeah. And I see today yeah. that uh, Tommy McCarney and them, uh, Danny, uh, our mags, I'm not sure if you know Tommy, uh, but yeah. Tommy and them have started the campaign for uh, an all Ireland uh, health service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I don't even know about the campaign, which is which is very good, and I'll I'll, I'll touch base you in the week on it. But you're right. Yeah, our, our health. We we should. There's families out there who are working. Maybe two men are working, or maybe man and a woman are working, or whatever it is, they're working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they can afford to go to a doctor. I knew one guy who had who was working six days a week, single person. Now, in fairness, mm-hmm. uh, but because of mortgage and you know the cost to running the car and all that there, wouldn't go to a doctor because couldn't no. really afford it. I mean, I've known I've known mums, and I've done it myself, where you have to gauge how ill your child is before you can pay 50 quid. I know it's changed since that 
um, children have got mod- medical cards older. But it used to be the case that you go, like, is she sick enough to cost 50 quid when you, when the budget is really low in the household, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. That, absolutely. That should and never then be the case. Should never be no, the no, case. No, no, no. And again, that's come back to the capitalist society where, yeah. where, 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 where there's a handful of people from a, on a different class from us who are deciding mm. how society's organized. How can a handful of people decide how society's organized when the majority don't benefit? And, and, and you're right in terms of the doctor paying them 50 quid. And then the week later, the, you know, it's no more better. Another 50 quid and then another 60 mm. quid for, for your, um, uh, your chemist. And all of a sudden, mm. You're taking on 400, 500 quid a week. That's, that's 30% of it gone. And, and then yeah. if they're yeah. really, really sick, you see these fundraisers to send them to some other country to get treatment done in the other country. A few years ago there, Sinn Féin did put on a, I know I, I've slagged off Sinn Féin, but the, this was something good they'd done. They put on this, uh, talk about the Cuban medical system and how that's run. Um, and for a country that's been under blockade for so long they've doctors more doctors than everybody they actually send doctors to they sent doctors to italy to deal with covid they've sent doctors over to africa and stuff like that they have a first class medical medical system over there and Sinn Féin at the time were, were kind of rolling out this is how our medical system um now i think they've kind of that's, uh, that's what that's when they were using the convenience of the red flag yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I, I slagged them off myself because you know, look. But credit where credit is due, where when they're doing, uh, rolling out a talk like that. But people just can't seem to get their head around uh, the idea. And if you bring up Cuba as well, it, it's it always in a negative light. Um, to yeah, right. well, we, we saw we saw lately there where uh, Councillor Gary Donnelly in Derry. Uh, independent left councillor uh, raised uh, a motion to try to get the council to agree to bring Cuban doctors to deal with the COVID in Derry. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, but the, the response from the community, like it's that attitude, communists, like I remember one time the, the woman who reared my mother, um, my auntie Gracie, and, and a couple of years before she died, I used to live with her too. And one night we were sitting at the fire and she was having a wee hot whiskey and you know, it was, you know, there was no TV in the house, an open fire. And we were chatting and she asked me, you know, did I go to mass on Sunday last? And I says, geez, you know, I'm nearly 50 years of age. I nearly, I need to tell her that I don't believe in God. And uh, I told her and she was so angry. And then when I told her that I was a communist, she spat at me. Oh, <laughs> you know, she spat at me. I'm not going to say what she said, like, you know, but she did. She was so angry with me, like, and, and, and. Through time, explaining to her, to the best of my ability, what that actually meant. Yeah. And then she turned yeah. around, you know, maybe months, months later, says, oh, all sorts for ordinary people. You yeah. know, that just because from the pulpit, and I'm red, like, mm-hmm. supposed to be, and that's still in the minds of the people, like. Yeah. Oh, it is, absolutely, yeah. My father's generation is exactly the same, yeah, definitely. Um, the, you know, the reds under the bed thing um, permeated. Yeah, definitely. But um, I think, like, <laughs> you have to be kind of, if you can call it something else, if you can call it community-led rather than socialism, or if we can get the unions on board, but quietly with with the campaign, this is a perfect opportunity to campaign for change, to get changes made, because there's 
there's actually money being spent at the moment and sooner or later they're going to come back to us and they're going to say right you're paying for this with this tax you're paying for it with that tax um we need to work now to use it as an opportunity um to get our voices out you're right about the rural communities not being loud enough and we, and we do need to to work on that one yeah and the pro- one of the one, one of the difficulties that i see is that uh and, and i love where i live i love the community or language most of the people not all the people now let me add but we come from a very very conservative uh starting base here like and that's where the that's where i see some of the issues are i'm very lucky in the sense that i i get a, i get a good vote here i i, I don't take that for granted i, I genuinely don't but if people aren't voting for me because I'm a communist or because I'm a Republican or that I'm a socialist. And, and, and the difficulty is that when you try to explain to some people at the doorstep what your ideology, actually, that's grand, sure, didn't you? And, and I'm not, you know, I know there was that sitcom going about, but sure, didn't you fix the potholes first? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. it does come down and it genuinely does come down to that. Yeah. It's, and it's um, very frustrating from my experience of, of standing to be elected. Uh, as a local councillor, for instance, to sit in a, in a radio office with two or three councillors, old fellas that have been there for years and years and years, and all they can talk about is fixing people's potholes. And that's all people wanted to hear. You know, they didn't want to hear, well, we can do this in Mayo, we could do that in Mayo. They didn't want to hear anything creative. But, the, but, that's, anything but that's, that's why they're elected and you're not. Exactly. And I, and I, and, and and that's the sad thing where where you hold dear to your principles and ideology and and that but and 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 we were we were lucky we we stood as uh, solely to highlight the issue of author tax and house tax and that never in the darkest days did we think I was going to get elected like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know so when we went to the doors for our leaflets and our what our mantra or whatever you know we were very very clear. Uh, why we were standing it was from a class perspective it was it was anti-capitalist and and you know but we did get elected by chance uh mm-hmm. and and so i think i think you can do both yeah if it if it touches that person personally like if they're concerned about how they're going to pay for water when it's privatized then it's a personal issue for issue for them so you have to get that on the doorstep if it's something that's more removed from them like the environment for instance or climate change or something they think it's nothing to do with them and it's harder for them to engage yeah. with you as a person like but you went onto their doorstep and you said we have to stop this being charged or we have to stop this happening and they could relate to it so that's obviously where you where you had the advantage yeah, and i and i think and I, and I know a lot of people and some of the political activists which i still define myself as an activist uh uh, would would mock it, but your bread and butter stuff in terms of social housing for people, uh, mm-hmm. getting your medical cards for people. Because if you look at maybe the age group there, there there's a high percentage there that ain't able to. Now I'm actually one of them because of my dyslexia, but I, I have the support of Thomas Pringle, which I'm really grateful for. Uh, that ain't able to fill in your medical card or your grant forms or whatever, mm-hmm. but. These are important issues, and I, I like I've, I've seen myself been, you know, when you've been nights out and mates have been down in Dublin or Belfast or wherever slagging you. Uh, but if you're driving down a road and your car's hitting a pothole constantly, mm-hmm. your bushings, your shocks, your springs, 
that's putting financial burden on people and people generally that's that's what's important to them and 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 if you do that groundwork they allow you then that space to do the other politics in terms of the class issues the class, in terms of the environment and then when you make that connection now I can only speak for what my experience is and when you make that connection with them they're going all right okay fair enough I don't know. Yep. I'm off and on, but look, no, that's, that's yeah. Mater- that's, sounds good to me. Sounds the, good to me. Their um, material the means. The one of the problems is that the fact that they expect you to fit, fix potholes, potholes when you're a minister for something, or when you're a, a TD. You know, you're up there in Dublin working away on national issues, and they still expect you to fix your potholes. So yeah. that's where the problem happens. Maybe local council level, that is the job. But as you're right. It engages them. It gets but, them But if, if councillors here had proper power yeah, and proper yeah. resources, that yeah. might change. Like the idea to go to your MP in Essex, Essex yeah. or commentary or anywhere like that, it's like the fixed potholes, they'd laugh at you. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. they would. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be in Dublin to legislate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the, the parish pump stuff that, uh, that, that continues to... Um, that's what it is. It comes down to, oh, Michael Ring, he done this for me or he done that for me. But they are supposed to be there to legislate. And I think it is, if you had more power to the councils, uh, they, they did take a lot of, lot of power from the councils over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. And they've kind of, kind of centralized it in Dublin. Um, I, I, I think that's one thing that, that that's fighting for, worth fighting for is actually, and then you they had town councils, which are gone now, but they had no real power anyway, but they're gone. But it was another legislature there. It was another, um, well, they had small kind of tax rates. Another raising. layer. Another layer yeah. that was there. And, 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 and to organize through cooperatives and other organizations for people to be far more politicized and organized. Yeah. yeah. Danny is a great supporter of unions and union membership and, and uh, you know, it's really hard. We, we're very low union membership in this country and that needs to be looked at too. Well, um, in the, maybe because uh, of the shift to the right? Well, we've about 20, 24-25% union membership, but the problem is it's mostly in the public sector. The private sector now mm-hmm. mandate are a very good union. They are they've who mandate they ha- they have quite a quite a big um, yeah. But but look look at look at where mandates at now at the moment. Yeah. Since John left, a total massive shift to the right. Yeah, it's um, and that, and that's and that's very disheartening. I'm a member of uh, uh, IWU, and 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 you know, uh, and, and and I strongly believe in trade union. Uh, but the concern is that the trade union movement, again, it reflects where we're at in society because maybe a lot of the members aren't uh, organised and politicised. But the the, the move from uh, like we, I was out, I've been out supporting the ESB strikers, yeah, yeah, and and even today uh, in support of them, and they were telling me how their other uh, sister and brothers within other unions have been told to cross picket lines. When does union Jesus tell other Christ. members their members to cross picket lines? But I, I will say though that with the, what's happened with the IWU is, is great to see because it's um, you have you have a, a, a strong contingent there. I think it's I, I was surprised to see that how many that was actually in the IWU um, from the engineers out of the ESP. But five hundred, five hundred, which is crazy. Out, out of twelve hundred, out of twelve hundred, which is well, you could say half, right? Um, yeah, yeah, now, nearly, yeah. It, and and it's always it's but. The, 
it's always been outside of the, uh, it was, it was a union that when well, I'm a member of Unite, but it, IWU was a union that always uh, attracted me for the simple reason it had nothing to do with the social partnership. It had nothing to do with the likes of um, the the Irish Congress of Trade Unions or anything like that. It was kind of it, it's a separate. Uh, and I, I would see that it'll people workers will basically see you're that. saying Danny is they just didn't take the soup. Yeah, they didn't take the soup. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. But um, and I see that that workers will see that. Uh, and they and I can see that the IWU will grow in in numbers. Um, people are going to be watching that in the US because you know, no matter that's why that's why that's why this fight is super important for them. Uh, I remember years ago, maybe about ten, twelve, maybe I can't remember how long ago. There was about three or four of us went outside a factory in Gidor, uh to leaflet. We knew that uh, Septu was and basically telling the workers to accept the deal and the interest of. Uh, interest the capitalists. But while we were outside and we weren't slagging off sub to and nor would I. Uh you know, and 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 and, and, and activism like that, but they were in there mocking us, tearing the backside of us. Yeah. Well, the union shouldn't be doing that. But that shows you how far they are removed from the real rea- reality of workers. Well I know my husband's in the building industry and he says the union reps come on and they're in designer suits with rolex watches you know loads of money and and expecting the workers on the ground to be paying them the dues to pay for it you know and it really it's not the image that that would encourage you to become a union member put it that way no but but also is that and and i would say i would say this for years like is that unions are only as strong as their members like and if they're active and organized it strengthens the union and it pushes the right uh, to a place where they wouldn't want to go. Like we, I was a member of Batu in the construction union in Dublin, and Jesus, uh, they were a fantastic union until, well, not suppose not it's not the time to start yeah. discussing what happened. But uh, we, you know, very militant, very well organised. You know, you know, membership led. But yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, well, I, I hope. Well, has Has Ireland ever really recovered from um, De Valera and? And the church, really, you know, from the dawn of the state, the, the oh, unions were out the window. Really, blast for me on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it, you know, uh, no, I mean, since the revolutionary periods, no, no, yeah, we haven't. If we'd we haven't had recovered. the revolution and they hadn't killed of all all of the left wing people in the revolution, then we might have been a better place even now. But it's taken that long to recover, you know. So, but we yeah. haven't recovered, and and, and it's very no. difficult to recover when no. you when you have parts of of the country in the West, uh, living in a lot of poverty, underdevelopment. Mm. When you have six counties within the country still economically, politically, and military occupied, uh, you know, because we still have yep. prisoners, we still have division walls from sectarianism from Westminster. So there's so much when you have the inner cities of Dublin or Cork, people living in the cities, but yet living in poverty. So there's so much to be changed. Absolutely. Definitely. And we're actually Mm -hmm. coming to the end. We're nearly we've nearly been chatting for about an hour and I think we've covered quite a bit there. And I I had a few things that I was going to cover, but you seem to just let the conversation flow and you went uh, and covered them all without even me prompting, which is great. Th- that's great anyways look, we'll leave it at that anyways because I, I don't want to keep you anyways because we've been here for an hour anyways so anyways thanks yeah. very much well that's the end of another episode if you want to get in contact it's radio.revelunoc at gmail.com 
Togebogi Slangerfeuer.